0: Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well, howdy, y'all. It's so great to, to see you again. We had an amazing night at the, the night of worship last Sunday night. So that was really great. Super fun. Uh, for those who came, do you think... Uh, should we do it again? Okay, well, that's a resounding no. Loud and clear, I heard that. It was exhausting. It was exhausting to do. It's exhausting to prepare, but... Man, it was, it was worth it. It was, it, was, it was an amazing time to pray for each other, with each other, for uh, you know, the, our community, and just to sing our praises uh, to Jesus. That was uh, fantastic. And uh, we will do another one before the end of the year. Uh, so I have, I have basically four months, right? So <laughs> we'll do another one, I promise. Okay, uh, so we are continuing our study of the, the book of uh, Philippians. And so I'll, I'll allow you guys time to, to flip there. If you don't have Bibles, there's some uh, in the chairs in front of you. If you're looking for one, if you need a physical Bible or on your phones, you know, I've talked about this before. The U version app has basically every version of the Bible that has ever existed. So that's a, that's a great version if you, if you want a, an app to look it up. It's about 90% of the way through your physical Bible. Uh, we are in week 10. I think I told Damian week 11, and if I did, I apologize. So we are in week 10. Uh, We have a lot of amazing verses packed into this sermon, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about other stuff, because there's a lot of really cool things packed into these, uh, really, these nine verses that we're going to look at today. Honestly, I I could spend six to seven weeks just breaking down, uh, just kind of going verse by verse, one by one. So we're going to try to not uh, take up too much of your time, uh, but if you're a person that likes to take a nap during service, I suggest <laughs> start at the beginning because the end's going to get really, really good. So start now. Now, so I'm giving you permission to, to take this time. Uh, yeah, so we're going to, you know, be looking at chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 today, and this is, again, this is Philippians. This is a letter written by the missionary slash apostle Paul. To the church in Philippi, and if uh, if you're if you're keeping notes and keeping track, the, the chapter is or the book is only four chapters long, so we're nearing the end. Uh, the Philippian church was doing a lot of things right. In a lot of ways, they were they were on the right path. Remember, we spent a couple weeks looking at how Paul was encouraging them and commending them. Where with a lot of the other letters that he wrote, like, you know, uh, to the, especially Corinth, that church, he's got to do a lot of babysitting, right? Where he's, hey, 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 you know, hey, maybe when you take communion, don't get drunk, right? Like, that's stuff you shouldn't have to say, but he's like, you know, kind of like, hey, kid, don't put that penny in the light socket, right? That's stuff you shouldn't have to say, but he had to. And and, and, and I feel like a lot like this church, a Redwood Christian church, where a lot of the things that I'm trying to do is just encouraging you to be the people that you are out in the world, not just here. You guys are you're amazing people. You're doing great things. You're serving the church. You're serving each other. You're serving your community. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to encourage you to keep being the people that you are all the time. And so Paul is taking this opportunity to remind them, to encourage them, and to steer them into the direction of what it means to become completely Christ-like. And that's what we're going to be studying Today, Uh, Paul is talking to the church that he loved with all his heart, and I get the opportunity each and every week to speak to the church that I love with all my heart. So that being said, let's read together. This is chapter four. Uh, It's going to be a little bit long. So this is what it says. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm. Thus, in the Lord, my beloved, I entreat uh, Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And the God of peace will be with you. Uh, so as if we haven't seen this already, Paul, again, he, he starts t- he really gushing. This is a love letter to his church, right? That in verse 1, he says, the church whom I love and long for. It's like, calm down, Paul. Jeez. Like, okay, we know that you love this church. Uh, but but, but here's, here's why Paul was so in love with this church. He was so proud of this church it's because it was, it was one of his first missionary journeys that he got to baptize. He, got to, he was uh, the one that led the people that started the church in Philippi. He was the one that led them to the Lord and got to baptize them. So these are truly his, his spiritual children. Paul is their spiritual father. And as we discussed in, in the weeks past, you know, we understand that, that Paul considered everyone that was under his direct tutelage like his children. But these are children that he's really proud of. Now, I, I know that there's parents in this room and maybe your kids are sitting next to you. You have kids that you're really, really proud of, right? And then you have other kids. I'm, I don't want you to say their names and, and they should never know that, right? You know, but if your house was on fire and you had to save one of them, you, you would know which one you choose. Uh, <laughs> right? Okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should love one kid more than another, but you do, so we have to be real about it, right, so I'm not, again, I'm not encouraging that, uh, and it's, it's not true, right, we love our kids with an endless love, uh, but I, I mean, uh, I just remember having this, this conversation with, with my mom, and uh, you know, they called, and I was, I was in Idaho, like, hey, do you, do you need anything, do you need money, and I was like, no, I don't need any money. Uh, well do, you, do we need do we need to come visit or you know do you need help moving it's like no no I'm like I'm okay I'm good and and they're just like I don't I don't know what to do with this like you know the, your other brothers they just need constant help you know and here's you and I I'm like oh he's like, you know and so I was like I thought I was so great uh, but I was the one that ended up having to move back in with my parents so like that was me uh, don't get haughty because at one time you're the Philippian church. And then, in a moment's notice, you're the Corinth Church. So it, it can happen at a moment's notice. Uh, but the crazy part is, is that you know, Paul—he's he's trying to steer this large ship, right? Christianity is just beginning. You know, Paul's missionary journeys in 60 A.D. to you know 66 A.D. Jesus was crucified. He rose again in about 30 A.D. So the church is, and the whole world is 30, 35 years old. Basically, the church is my age at this time. So just a baby right, just a tiny child, and so Paul, he, he's, in the, he's in the driver's seat, he's, a, he's the captain of this ship, and he keeps having to look back over his shoulder, and he's telling his kids to behave, you know, and so that's what he does here at the beginning of chapter 4, he's telling his kids, hey, quit fighting, and I imagine it this way that, you know, Paul has got this, this large, let's just call it a bus, he's got this large bus, uh, there's some people in this church who are bus drivers and so they understand this well. But he's taking us on a spiritual journey to the kingdom of God and he's, and he's really excited and almost everybody is getting along and he's so proud of them. He goes, oh, I love you, church. You're so amazing. You're right, the kids have their tablets. It's peaceful. They're singing hymns. They're quoting scripture. Uh, they're encouraging one another, they're loving on one another, but in the midst of this journey, There's a couple of women who just aren't getting along. And who knows why? Uh, You know, women just start fighting in the back and and they keep going back and forth. And and Paul's driving this bus and he just he has to like, guys, just settle down, right? Be quiet. So Paul is the bus driver, and he can see that the squabble is escalating, so he has to tell them, he's like, you ODN and like, knock it off, right? What are the things that we try to yell to our, it's really hard to discipline your kids in the backseat, amen? <laughs> Even now, we have these, these car seats, that, you know, like, there's, they're just so far away that it's almost impossible. Uh, I mean, one of the biggest problems that we have now when we're on a journey is that uh, because gas prices are, whatever, $400 a gallon. So we have to, we get our kids into the tiny hybrid, which when you think about it, like, yeah, it makes sense, right, because you're gonna save money. But what's the problem with the tiny hybrid is that our four-year-old and our two-year-old are now right next to each other, so they can hit each other. And, you know, and sometimes it's really cute, right, when Zeke is struggling with something and, and Hosanna, the older one's like, hey, let me help you with that. Uh, but uh, most of the time it's not so cute. It's like hitting each other. It's like, just stop. Just, and so that's, that's, what, that's what Paul is dealing with here. He's like, okay, just like, can you get along for 10 seconds, please? I just need 10 seconds of peace. And all those who are like sitting around them, they're, they're also trying to encourage them to get along. And he's like, you know, Clement, can you just please remember, remember that time with Clement? Just please, can we just all get along? And he says, because we're all going to heaven, your, their names are written in the book of life. We're going to spend all of eternity with each other, so you better get along now. Don't make me pull this spiritual bus over, right? So, I mean, it was a dramatic retelling of verses 2 and 3, but, I mean, it's was, it was pretty accurate. Uh, the, the big question is, is, what are these women arguing about? Who knows? And quite frankly, to Paul, it didn't matter. I don't care why you're arguing, just stop. Right, was that the Bob Newhart? Just stop it, just stop it. It wasn't a big enough deal, you know, but it was a big enough deal that Paul, who's hundreds of miles away, has to call them out in a letter. How embarrassing. I'm, I'm guessing that they would be sitting like on opposite sides of the room. And so when the leaders came and they would read these letters out loud, whoo, Hopefully, it wasn't like you odious husband up there because he gets to that point. He's like, I can't say this. Someone else is going to have to read this part because I'm going to be in the doghouse for weeks if I read this out loud. Uh, I, I, have, I have two brothers, like I mentioned uh, before, and we argued a lot growing up. I, my older brother is uh, 17 months apart, and then my younger brother is about three and a quarter years younger than I am. Uh, you know, we fought. We punched each other. We duct taped myself to a tree and left me there overnight. Uh, we had a lot of good times. (laughs) And looking back, I can understand why my older brother was so annoyed by me. So this, this is like, uh, I was, I've been telling the elders just how excited I am because they just encourage me to be myself. Like when I'm up here doing this, I'm not pretending to be something that I'm not. If you just were having a conversation with me and you go, Hey, Brian, uh, can you just talk for like 45 minutes? I'd be like, Absolutely. You just sit there, be quiet, and I'll talk. So this is me in real life, and I have to, like, pause so I can, like, listen to the things that you're saying. Uh, But this, so this is me. This is me even more so, right? I'm, you know, imagine me eight, nine, ten years old, and I've got that kid energy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's endless and they go a million miles an hour. So I never stopped talking uh, and I, and I want to talk about anything and everything. And my mom's uh, three favorite words were go play outside. So we did that a lot and we played outside. And my brother Mark was patient with me most of the time. He's, again, he's my older brother. He's, you know, 17 months. He's well matured. He's like a well aged cheese. Uh, but I just never stopped talking and I sang about everything so I you know the most biggest complaint I hear about when people talk about musicals they say it's just so unrealistic because they sing about everything they never stop singing and that was my life that is my life if you spend half an hour around me I'll get six or seven choruses in and you, you know we got to get a line of dancers in, and it's going to be great that's my life it's a musical and it's not unrealistic it's very realistic because uh, that's who I was that's really who I was when I was a kid before I learned to stop talking. Uh, and it was really, really, really annoying because anything that everyone said would remind me of a song and I'd start singing, that's not who my older brother is at all. He's quiet, he's stoic, he's peaceful, and I was the peace breaker. You know? So imagine the patience it would take for an older brother not to slug the younger brother in the face when he just never stopped singing. Uh, when we went to a friend's house, again, we were close enough in age that it was like, okay, uh, you can go to your friend's house, but you have to take your brother with you. So he didn't have his own friends. I was there all the time. I was always there, never stopped talking, never stopped singing. And I'm sure more than anything, he was just embarrassed. It's like, God, these are my friends. Can you stop singing for five seconds? Nobody else is singing. You're the only one doing it. So it was really annoying. And so Mark, uh, if you ever watch this, uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. It was not your fault. I take full responsibility. And I get that. And I, and I understood why we often had to be broken up because of we were children. But these women, they're not kids. They're not growing up, you know, in the same house. You know, they're, they're adults. We're all adults. We, and, and as adults now, as a church, right, we always forgive each other, Right? Okay, it's a work in progress. I appreciate the honesty. Right? We always, we always think the best of each other. When someone sends us a text or says something to us, we don't dwell on that. Right? We just we go, oh, I'm sure they meant the best by that, and I'm just going to let that go. I'm not going to think about that for weeks and then be angry next time I see them. Uh, maybe, maybe we still have some childless tendencies, if, if we can be honest with ourselves and with each other. Um, but when I was a kid, the most dreadful event that could happen in, in my life is if my brothers and I couldn't get along and it would bleed over to the parents. And my mom would say, wait till your dad gets home. <laughs> that was the worst, right? Because at that point, your your goose is cooked, right? It's done. You're, get, you're getting in trouble, and then you have to wait. Uh, or something along those lines, I'm sure, for something in your house. But it, it was bad enough that my mom had to tell my dad. And my, and my dad would get angry in the moment, and he'd yell at us, and he'd ground us or whatever, uh, you know, they did. But the worst part wasn't, wasn't that. It wasn't the punishment from dad. It was after dad got done telling us how we were the worst kids ever and like we were never gonna get out of timeout, whatever it was. And so I, I just remember I'd have to go and I'd sit in my room and then I would dread the worst part, which was mom coming in to, to say something like, you know, hey, we're not mad at you. We're just really disappointed. You made some really bad choices today. And it just made us really sad. That was, that was the worst part. You know, if I got spanked or, you know, if I lost privileges to something, emotionally I'd be fine shortly thereafter. But when your mom tells you she's disappointed in you, I still remember those conversations. I'm still sad. It still kills me. I hate disappointing people. I hate coming up short of the person that I could be. And I especially hate making my mom sad, even to this day. So now I imagine my mom, she's writing this letter to the church that I'm a part of, and they become books of the Bible. So for all eternity, the fights that I had with my brother is immortalized and people in churches around the world read about it and my name's right, Brian and Mark didn't get, just get along with each other. Man, that's eternal, eternal embarrassment. So here's, here's the encouragement from really verses one through three is if you want to be mature, you need to get over yourself. We need to forgive each other and move on we are the children who keep bickering and fighting and just not getting along. And I know it seems odd that we're doing this now in church, but if you have a phone or if you're taking notes, uh, like there should be space in your bulletin for taking notes, there is a person that the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart right now that you have an unresolved dispute with. Write that person's name down. You don't need to show anybody. You don't need to tell anybody. But there is a person that you have not made nice with, and that needs to end. Either you never apologized, or the apology that they needed to make never came. You never made nice. I'm encouraging you to write that person's name down and ask God to help you forgive them and reach out to them and apologize for your part in the dispute. Life is too short. And eternity is too long to live in unforgiveness. So I'm going to give you about 10 seconds to do that. I'm, I'm serious. Write their names down. Could be a friend. Could be a child. And even if this person has passed away and you never got the opportunity to do it in person, I want you to pray about it. And what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to call that person or we're going to text them and we're going to email them uh, after church today. Or maybe you've got to write them a letter. Whatever it takes. Life is too short and eternity is too long to live in unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. When he says their names are written in, in the book of life, he's reminding them, hey, we're all going to live in the same house eventually, so we better get along now. Now, the next couple verses, really, he starts them in, in an awesome way. He, he, I, I love the way that, that Paul writes because he doesn't have to link previous thoughts together. He just says, this is how it is, and then here's the next part. So then he begins in verse 4 by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about it, anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul loves, he loves to use this word always. Right? Remember we, a couple weeks ago we talked about how, how we do math. And Paul's math, always, right? That's 10 out of 10, every time. Rejoice in the Lord, always. And again I say, rejoice. You guys remember? That's an old song. Do you guys remember it? Rejoice in the Lord, always. And again I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord, always. And again I say, rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. Rejoice 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 and again I say rejoice rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice hallelujah you guys do know it um your parents uh they tricked you into learning scripture so you're welcome uh yeah that's right from the bible so why do we sing that over and over again Yeah, because we don't rejoice always. And when some of you, when you leave here today, that song's going to be stuck in your head. And you're welcome, because then you're going to remember to rejoice in the Lord always. He says, "Have joy," and then do it again to rejoice, and then rejoice some more. Your life as a follower of Jesus is filled with joy. Not because of how amazing your life is, but because the king of the universe, hear me out, the king of the universe loves you enough to send his only son to die for you. He died in your place so that you can have a place in his house where you get to spend all eternity with him. This temporary life can easily get us down. There's a lot of stuff that can happen to us. But if we remember that we get to, to spend eternity with the Lord in a place where there are no more sorrow and no more tears and no more death, just eternal joy, eternal life, it is easier to be filled with an immense amount of joy. He continues by saying, let your reasonableness, reasonable reasonableness. I almost said that word right. Uh, Because uh, let it be known to everyone. Be reasonable. How many of you have wanted to shout that in an argument? Can you just be reasonable? Be reasonable. Uh, Be amenable. Be flexible. Be patient. Be kind. Be reasonable. Children, by their very nature, are unreasonable because they're only thinking about themselves. I want a cookie. I want a toy. I want a Watch Bluey for those parents who have kids in that age range. Uh, Bluey's a fantastic show, but after about episode 256, you're done watching Bluey, okay? You don't want to watch Bluey. Right, yeah, whatever comes next, you're like, okay, uh, you are being unreasonable. Uh, Hosanna's really into warm milk. Gross, but okay. Uh, She'll ask for 10... 12, 500 times a day. I want warm milk. And if you don't get it, like right this second, she has a meltdown. Uh, But the kids, they feel like they need to be in control. But we all know that we adults, we we don't need control, right? We're completely reasonable. (laughs) So Paul is telling us to be so reasonable That people cannot deny that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Be so reasonable. When you go to the store and they don't have what you want, be reasonable. When your boss forgets the time uh, that you asked for some time off and he schedules and you need to find your replacement, be reasonable. When your kids don't call you as much as they should, even if they live on your property with you, Be reasonable. Life will never be everything you want it to be. You understand? Life, This life will never be everything that you want it to be. We all have to do stuff we don't like, so be reasonable. Be reasonable with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, coworkers, with your waiters, with your waitresses. Be so reasonable that the world cannot deny Christ in your life. Do not be anxious about it anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God don't be anxious again we had rejoice in the Lord always and then don't be anxious about anything which is easier said than done and I'm going to ask a question and it might be a little controversial I should have talked to my elders about this before but is it a sin to be anxious I got some yeses and some no's, some snoring. I got like all the answers across the board, which is great. I'm going to say no. Even though this is a command, right, don't be anxious about anything, uh, I can prove it. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 38 and 39. You know, Ben said that he was stuck in, in Matthew. It's a, it's a great book. It's one of the four gospels. I have it written down in your notes, so you can go back and, and read it later. So it's Matthew chapter 26, and there's 28 chapters. And the story, right, is that Jesus was born, and then he lived, and then he died and rose again. So we're in chapter 26, so we're getting really close to the Jesus dying part. So this is what, uh, this is what the Bible says. It says, then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful. This is Jesus speaking uh, to Peter, James, and John, uh, even to death. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So this is Jesus praying right before he is taken to be crucified the next day. And he tells Peter, James, and John that his soul is very sorrowful, even to death. So in Luke's account of Jesus' prayer with the sleepy disciples, he tells us in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, he says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was anxious, not because he didn't know what was coming, but because he did. So the reason that we know it's not a sin to be anxious is because we know that Jesus is perfect, and in this moment, he had anxiety. He sweat blood, literal blood came from his pores. Which now science has told us that if someone is going through uh, a great deal of of anxiety and stress that they can sweat blood, but only if there's something extreme happening to them. And Jesus, he's preparing his heart, asking the Father if there's any way that he could get out of being crucified, now this would be the time he's preparing himself But what was his response to his anxiety? To pray. And even though he knew what was coming, he said, I will keep pressing forward. I will go through this. Our first response to our anxiety must be prayer. There are hard things that you know you're about to experience in life. Pray before you do them. What Paul is encouraging us, he's saying, don't be anxious about the stuff that that we're just assuming might happen. Right? If I get in a car, uh, there there could be a a bad driver out there and and they could could hit me and I I just don't want to drive because every time I drive, I get so anxious. Don't be anxious about that stuff. And if you are, pray about it. I believe that because of Christ, we don't have to be anxious, but he doesn't judge us when we are. I think that's the worst part. As uh, I, I had six months of, of pretty bad anxiety where I had to be on anxiety meds. It's like you beat yourself up for being anxious. You get anxious. No, I, I shouldn't be anxious. And then, so then you're anxious about being anxious. And then you're anxious about, you're being anxious about being anxious. And then Prayer prayer is the stop to your anxiety cycle. When you're struggling with the anxieties, if you can stop and you can pray, Jesus longs to help us. He is our mediator. He is the one that is taking our prayers to the Father. He knows what it's like to be anxious, and he longs to help you as his children. Okay, let's continue. Uh, Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, Our hearts and minds are constantly, consistently under attack by the enemy and the temptations of this world. Everything on social media telling you what your life should look like, what you should look like, what car you should drive, how big and how clean your house should be, where your kids need to go to school, what you should wear, It is possible, it is possible for everything that we experience in this physical life to steal our peace. We see someone having the life that we want or or getting something that, that we wanted. And we're tempted. We're tempted to wonder, why not me? When work is hard or life is tough, we think, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? But the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds if you give over all your anxiety and desires to Him. And to everyone around you, it won't make any sense. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus if you you give it to Him. If you keep it for yourself, you'll never experience it. But if you can give it over to Christ... People around you will say stuff like, man, I I would be losing my mind right now if I was you. How are you dealing with this so well? And that preaches the gospel of Christ in your life. And I'd love to talk more about this, but uh, I need to wrap it up pretty quickly. Uh, So verse 80 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. He says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So if you've been coming to church for a long time and you always have felt like maybe there's something missing, maybe you've been coming to this church for a long time and you've been wondering, maybe there is something missing, you know that you're supposed to follow Jesus, uh, there's some stuff that in you that doesn't look like Jesus, but you're unsure where to start. Start here. Start here. Whatever is true, stop telling half-truths or lies. Some of you, the reason that you're, you're in the hole that you're in is because you keep digging it with half-truths or whole lies. Whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, are you intentionally showing honor to people? Or are you choosing to dishonor them? Whatever is just, are you working towards justice in the world? Do you sponsor kids overseas? Do you serve the homeless? Are you seeking to right wrongs or are you always looking to take advantage of the situation that you're in? Whatever is pure, what do you invest your time in? Things that are pure or things that are ungodly? What do you watch on TV? TikTok? What, are, what do you watch? Is it pure? Paul is talking about getting your mind right. Thinking about the right things. And, and the, the big question that I have is, is there anything that you invest in that you would be really embarrassed Sin-wise, if someone found out. Some of you have a, a really large spoon collection, and you'd be embarrassed if someone knew how many spoons you had. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if someone came in and looked at your search history on your computer, would you be embarrassed to show them that? If someone came over and, and, and wanted to see, you know, looked at your bank account, and wanted to see where you are spending your money, would you be embarrassed to show them that? Those are the things that you you start with. Start with this. I'm going to call the the worship team back up. So the the culmination of all that we have talked about today is this. uh, Practice makes perfect. Jesus already paid for your sins. Your account is, is clean. You're already righteous in God's eyes. So we need to start acting like it. Not a single person in this church or anyone that has ever lived other than Jesus was perfect. Which means that if we want to be more like Jesus, we have to practice it. Memorize scripture. Turn off the TV. Read your Bible. Speak kindly to others. Forgive each other quickly and intentionally. Choose not to take offense to anything or anyone says about you do everything you can to live at peace with everyone. Be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Make a difference by being different. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead in you. But it's going to take some practice to allow that Holy Spirit to change us. So practice being like Christ not just here on Sundays but each and every day no matter where you are or what you are doing. Practice makes perfect so let's practice being perfect together let's pray father we love you we recognize that we are still far from the person that we want to be whether we are 10 years old or whether we're 93 so God we just ask for your help help us to stay focused on the things that matter to you and not the things that matter to this world and all God's people said amen Amen.